Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in a capital on lockdown. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by James Johnson, director of Willpower Worthing, a company who write wills from an exceptional and well-trained team. James, hello. Hello there. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, before we started our recording session, we were just uh, having a, a quick word about working from home uh, during this uh, uh, epidemic. Um, yeah. How has COVID-19 affected your business? Well, uh, uh, luckily, we, we have the resources and capacity to work remotely. That's the first thing. So our staff um, are able to continue to support our clients and offer the advice and, and, and uh, you know, supply the products that they need. But it's certainly testing testing times for us all. And we are using the technology like Zoom, you know, like uh, other platforms to keep in touch. But it's certainly trying times. And what we're finding with some of our customers, uh, Matthew, is some of them are, are, are maybe in a bit more of a rush to get the documents prepared, whereas others are putting it to the back of their minds in the climate until it all blows over. So... They've certainly got more time on their hands to maybe contact us and deal with things. So the clients that are in the actual process, we're finding the administration is getting done a little bit quicker. Do you uh, find definitely... that there's been an uptick in uh, people looking to complete their wills because of this epidemic? There has, yeah. There's been an uptick in number one inquiries, but number two, a little bit of the urgency. I feel like they want it done uh, a little bit quicker. And again, we have the capacity to, to be able to do that remotely, um, but definitely more of a a push. Generally, people uh, take their time over quite important decisions. But recently, there's been a bit of a more of a haste. I think you know more, more of a, a wish to get it done pr- promptly. Now, of course, uh, leadership in this situation is absolutely key. Um, do you feel that leadership shown by the Prime Minister and Her Majesty's government has been adequate uh, to handle the situation? I do actually. I do. Yeah, um, we haven't heard from the, from from the Queen yet, but yeah. But I think yeah, the Prime Minister uh, handling things quite well. I do feel there's been some areas that could have been a little bit clearer, but it's a difficult job for for, for him. Um, but I do think there's been some leadership shown and, and difficult decisions that have been made. Uh, I hope it continues. That you know we need to do what we can. I uh, think to, to to reduce or eliminate this COVID nineteen as quickly as we can. Now, on to the subject of leadership, uh, the subject that uh, we were intended to speak about in the first place. Um, let's, uh, let's start with the question I always like to start with. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, so to me, it means someone who uh, practices what they preach, uh, leads from the back, not the front, um, encourages uh, rather than, rather than pulls. So I think I'm much more of the uh, carrot rather than the stick um, type of director i'd like to think so anyway but certainly doing doing things leading by example i think i'm very interested to hear uh, about this uh concept of leading from the back because i do hear quite a lot about leading from the front uh, what do you mean by leading from the back um so yeah setting the example and showing showing all the staff uh, what to do rather than telling them uh, i think it's much better to show them and work with them um rather than talk at them, we talk with them. And, uh, yeah, I basically, from, from experience and, and the books I've read and, and the experience I've, I've gained, I would rather have them at the forefront uh, learning on the job, if we say, uh, but I'm there in the background sort of leading, advising, making notes and, and helping where I think I could help. 
Um, but it's certainly they're the ones taking the lead. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, where your leadership uh, derived from. Uh, of course, it doesn't come out of thin air. Let's go back to the very beginning of your career when you first uh, started out your working life. Were there any particular influences on you, whether they be a particular individual or a set of circumstances that really shaped the way that you lead today? I think a lot of it's been from, from uh, honestly, personal development. So um, I, I'm a big fan of personal development in all forms and uh, very keen on reading. Um and over the years, I've read many, many books on, on, on not only leadership, but yeah, personal development, um, training, improvement. Um, and there's a lot of the, you know, the mentors out there, the, the people like Jim Rohn and people, you know, books like that that I've read follow their examples, really. Mm. And some of them are old, very old pieces of advice, but I do feel they still work in the current climate. And they're very simple, I also feel. Um, yeah, How so important it's more is it to keep passing on these, these, this information through mentorship? I feel it's very important, absolutely, and because uh, there is times where it's difficult, and there's you know there's no strength without struggle. It's one of the words I say. So we all struggle as we grow, and uh, growth can be painful, and it's important. Another thing I say to everyone is never quit on a bad day. You know, so you're going to have. It's important to have the personal development and their the motivation and a mentor to help you in times of struggle to make sure you go to the next step and, and keep going rather than quitting. Well, let's talk about that next generation of uh, people entering the workforce. Do you feel that they're prepared for the current workforce? Uh, do you think that uh, the education system has done its job? In a way, I do. Yeah, I, I think the education system is good. You know, I, I went through it myself, um, benefited from it, enjoyed it. I do feel like there needs to be a bit more education on leadership, though, in business um, rather than academic. I think the world's changing in relation to technology. Um, and I just feel from people we've employed recently, there needs to be a bit more of a understanding maybe of business and how it works and, and, and indeed personal development. I'm a big advocate of that. I think it could help everyone. What sort of leaders inspire you? Um, I like leaders that do the do as well as say the say. Um, I like leaders that, um, again, uh, have been there and done that and even ones that have been there, lost things and regained it. I think that's a very vital experience. If, um, you know, it's not always smooth seas don't make skillful sailors is, is one of the, the good sayings. So I like ones that have been through the tough times uh, and, you know, it does always get better and you can learn from those, I think. Now, unfortunately, our time together is starting to grow thin. Um, so let's talk a bit about Willpower Worthing and what sort of a service that you provide to your customers. Okay. So, yeah, we write wills. We also write trusts and we write lasting power of attorney. Um, the basic and quickest way to describe a will, a will plans for the inevitable. Uh, a will is an instruction that says when I pass away, this this will directs where my assets would go. So that's the will. A trust is a slightly different concept. A trust does not plan for the inevitable. A trust protects against the unexpected. So, so the trust says whoever I've mentioned in my will, that they will get directed my asset or my death. The trust would protect them after my death from losing that asset. For example, through a divorce, through a bankruptcy, perhaps. And then the lasting power of attorney, Matthew, is another if, and it says, if if I lose my capacity, who do I want to make decisions on my behalf? So they're the three products that we do. One of them plans for the inevitable, the will. The other two plan for the unexpected, which is trust and power of attorney. Now, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program today. Uh, what's next 12 months have in store uh, for Willpower Worthing? 
We're hoping to grow, of course, we, as every business may well do. Um, we're looking at maybe, um, and especially in the current climate, having to work remotely, not seeing customers face-to-face, which was always a very important part of our business model. Uh, we're learning very quickly how we can draft documents remotely. But I do think that's a, a, an insight into the future. I think the industry will go much more digital. I think uh, online and, and remote wills will become more of a... Uh, a common thing and I do hope the industry becomes regulated currently it's not regulated although it is in uh, parliamentary view I understand we do hope the regulation comes in so we're all on a level playing field and, and certain qualifications are needed to advise on this sort of um, products because it is a very important one well I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show today and of course when things settle down I'd like to have you back on uh, James thank you thanks for your time that was James Johnson Director of Willpower Worthing. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become 
your friends, who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the. Uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about our friends, he's probably over my life, the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that 
did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply. Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form, I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind, that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of, very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. 
And the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows." <laughs> I joke and make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in you know, the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make then again, laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. It's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to, to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. 
surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and, and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I'm going back from an earlier, earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good, good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days 
every year uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and- when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organization. And I think that's. You completely focus. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over it, go over the past, and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.